0: what's going on guys UFC fight night 49 recap another good one in the book so happy to definitely recap these fights but yeah yeah a couple things maybe the slightest tweak could have potentially gone our way but outside of that I mean that style of just mauling people to the ground me likey, me likey. Anyways, let's start off with Carlos Hernandez, Victor Almarino. This one was actually key because Carlos Hernandez was one of the guys on the card that was only sitting at minus 140. You could get him at a fairly good price, and that was going to boost up the tickets, right? We weren't going to use him on a top ticket. He wasn't a second-ticket uh, second guy. But there's a lot to like about him. He's still young, 27 years old. You saw him on the Contender Series. Wins a split there, but he fought was just rugged and an aged veteran of the game. So I gave him a pass there, and I thought there was a lot you could like about him. Victor Almarino is also young. There's a lot to like about him, too. But again, when you look at the tape, he's got a lot of volume. He's got a lot of frontward pressure, but his technique isn't exactly the tightest. Hernandez, meanwhile, just seems to be a lot more technical, throws in two three-punch combinations, dictates range pretty good, and would figure to have the wrestling advantage, one would think. So as far as I'm concerned, if he just wins the striking exchanges and sprinkles in that takedown, we'd be good. Takedown never did really materialize, but I thought Hernandez, first round, doing an excellent job of staying to the outside. Uh, Marino would come in. would do. Marino would do a good job of trying to let his hands go and landing. But Hernandez just seemed in control, landing the better strikes. He also had that knee up the middle whenever they would clinch up. Yeah, I I think by the numbers, I think he outstruck him officially 25 to 19. It's it's a Hernandez round. Second round, much of the same as far as I'm concerned. Altamarino's starting to pick up the pace. He's getting going. It ever so slightly looked like Hernandez is maybe starting to fatigue a little bit. But I mean, listen, these, these guys are young. They're in shape. They weigh 125 pounds. Uh, getting tired is not really the biggest thing for them. So he persevered through. It's a slight striking advantage for Altamarino in that round. But again, I did score for Hernandez. I just thought the strikes he was landing were better. When he would land two, three punch combinations again, and it would seem to land flush, it would seem to have some sting to it, it seem to have a little more power. Altamarino would back him up. Altamarino would have some spurts. He fought a much better second round. I just slightly edged it towards Hernandez. Third round, much of the same. You know, it's close. Altamarino tries to get his wrestling going a little bit. Hernandez does an excellent job of staying to the outside. I think this is a 29 28 for Hernandez. You could score the third round, Hernandez. I've seen one of the judges gave it 30 27. I didn't necessarily disagree with that, but that does not speak to how close this fight was. This was a very, very, very close fight. But again, I think the upside's with Hernandez. I think he's got the brighter future. I think if he shores up a couple of the issues in his game, he'll come along. Altamarino will be an all action fighter, very entertaining. Willing to stand in front of you and take a punch, kid's got a hell of a chin too. Let's give him that. Um, he'll be entertaining. I, I just don't know how far that's going to carry him. And takedown defense is his real issue. And this division's got some pretty stout wrestlers in it. So, he, all he has is these fun fights against the likes of Carlos Hernandez. And I thought he did get ever so slightly outclassed. So, right guy won. It was a split decision, but I thought Carlos Hernandez was the rightful winner. Start off the night with a win, can't complain about that. We moved on to Rami's Brahim, Michael Gilmore. This is a high-insight fight, right? Because in high-insight, Rummy's brahima should have been the top ticket. We ended up going him with second ticket. Part of the reason it didn't go top ticket was man, he looked awful against Court McGee. And I would feel like an idiot using him on top ticket and having him burn me coming off of that performance. But also he's minus four hundred. And the line hadn't moved one point in like four days. So nobody was really touching it beyond that minus 400 price tag. And if I had switched out, not switching out Makachev, like a minus 400 to minus 900 at the top, what's, what's that doing for you? You needed to get some of those 240 range guys in there. You need to get, uh, a, you know, a 260 guy in there. 400, it just wasn't giving you enough value for top tickets. So we dropped Brahim Munch the second line. But high in sight, he should have been top ticket. And... He should have just been inside the distance, right? He should have been he should have been on the top ticket inside the distance. Problem is books won't let you parlay uh multiple props beyond six. My book does it anyways. So you can't make a 12-fight PRP with a bunch of props in it. And yeah, I don't know. just like it's MMA, anything can go wrong. But goddamn, he looked apart, man. He looked apart strictly because he was fighting Michael Gilmore. Like, and and this is uh this is uh it's it's so high. Michael Gilmore's got four pro losses going in, now five, all of them by submission. He had lost twice as an amateur, both times in the first round. One time by submission, one time he got uh, he got TKO'd once he got taken down. He's got no ground gate. And beyond that, he tends to get finished in the first round. You saw it on the Ultimate Fighter. One fight in the UFC where the guy's able to take him to the third round, and then he gets submitted. But beyond that, we know he can't stop a takedown. No, take, no submission defense. And Ramiz Brahimaj is a problem on the ground. It's just he struggles to get the fight to the ground against mid to upper echelon guys, and his striking is just no good to fall back on. Didn't need a striking in this spot, and his mid-level wrestling is low-level wrestling. Good enough to get Michael Gilmore to the ground. Once he got him on the ground, it was just like rinse and repeat. So I'm not really a prop guy. I do the prop show with Manpreet, and I enjoy it, and I'll hit the odd prop every now and again. It's just not my sole focus. My sole focus is parlays. I I like to gamble high. I want to lose thrillingly. I want to win thrillingly. I tend to go for these long parlays. But to anybody that had the submission profit, even money, but beyond that, just the first round, Ramiz Brahimaj submission, which is like plus 250, sharp shit, man. You know, you, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. And that was a good move. I wasn't on it. I like to still think I know what I'm doing, but that was a sharp move if you played that. Jonathan Martinez, Alejandro Perez. This is where things could potentially get dicey. So we go Martinez, top ticket. I had him for minus 240. By the time I had tweeted that out, he was like minus 275, and I think he goes off at minus 310 uh, fight time. So you, you win the CLV battle, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Why did we go Martinez top ticket? Well, he was much larger than Perez. This is largely going to be a striking battle. Martinez has stuffed his last 14 takedowns coming in. Perez is not going to get him down, let's be real. So if you've got a striking battle, we've got the bigger guy with the better technique, who's younger, better cardio. What can go wrong? But like other fights where my guy's going to take your guy down and maul you, now I don't really got to worry about it. <clears throat> uh, this one was going to be a 15-minute long striking battle, and such striking battles are a lot greasier than takedowns, right? Remy's bragging takes take care of business. No problem. He's second-ticket guy. Now we got Martinez is going to fight for 15 minutes in striking battle. That's here. But the first round starts out, and, dude, he is outclassing Perez. He is way bigger than him. And he's just able to stay to the outside and use his kicks. I'm wondering at one point, how many kicks can a human being throw? Because he's throwing lots for this first round. Almost everything's blocked, but it looks good for the judges because only one guy's actually doing anything. And sure to God, these are marking up the forearm. Some of them are getting through the legs, but you can't just keep blocking kicks over and over. Especially if you're a boxer, your your primary weapon's going to be your hands. You got to get into tight boxing range and let your hands go. If your arms are all battered up, it's just not going to happen for you. So... Things are going very good Martinez's way, and he's feeling like a top-ticket guy. Now, 10-second clapper goes, 10-second clapper goes, and Perez realizes he hasn't done shit all round and is losing the round, so he just kind of barges forward and he presses Martinez back to the base of the cage, and Martinez has a bonehead decision. Again, he's still only 27, I believe. He's still young. He's still got some greenness to his game. He just kind of, you know your back's up against the cage. There's no more space for you to move backwards, and this guy's coming in with 10 seconds left to swing on you, and he goes up on one leg as if he's going to, like, teep kick him or something and just gets bombed over the top, right? Crack, it is a clean punch right on the money, but it wasn't like Perez sat down on the punch. He was kind of overreaching because he was coming over the kick. and It sits him down, and then there's, like, a ground-and-pound shot that gets in, and then uh, then that's the end of the round. So it's a knockdown because he punched him in the face and he fell down. But at the same time, it is a bit of a slip because he was up on one leg. It didn't seem to mean like he was all that hurt. It's that MMA judges are not good. And this is a round... had been thoroughly won by Martinez. And then a 10 second clapper goes, Perez lands one singular punch. It, it puts him down. It looks good. What are they looking at? Cause I got this guy in my top ticket. So I'm hoping they're seeing the way I'm seeing Martinez won the round, but you just don't know. Second round Perez. There's no, there's no urgency to his game. I know my boy, Daniel Levy coined him the weasel. That is what he is. He's a weasel. He just weasels through these rounds and he keeps them close enough. that it's like, yeah, maybe, but I thought the second round was much of the same. Martinez was staying to the outside. His game, mmm, starts to fall off a little bit. Doesn't get the same volume. And I think he also respects that punch that he ate in the first. He doesn't really want to throw so many kicks and leave him so vulnerable. But he's not using his own hands, so he's just he's not really finding any type of rhythm out there against Perez. Second round is not very good, if we're being perfectly honest with you. But I gave it to Martinez. Now the third round, Perez's corner tells him Javier Mendez, one of the best coaches in the game, right? He tells him, listen, you're down two. Because he's saying the same, he's seeing it the same way little Cody is. You lost the first, you landed one punch. Oh, I, I forgot to say the second round, all Martinez, and then the 10-second the clapper goes. The 10 second clapper goes and press bum rushes him. So again, again, it was like a dicey enough round. I I scored it for Martinez, but it's just it's, you don't feel super comfortable with it. But anyways, Javier Mendez tells him he thinks he's down two. I thought he was down two, and he tells him to go after it. And the third round starts, and Perez comes right after it. That's actually perfect for Martinez. Martinez had his best round in the third when Perez decided to actually engage him. Prior to that, it was a lot of just one shot for shot at range. It's hard to see who's getting a real clear-cut edge. But in the third round, Perez would come forward, miss three shots, and the left hook from Martinez was on point. He started boxing him up a little bit because he was being more aggressive. Kicks were still on point. Martinez's best round. So what judge in the world is not Martinez down 0-2? Ooh, we, we, we win this third. We got this thing. We got this thing. I got it 30-27, but 29-28 but at absolute worst. So two judges give it 29-28. One gives it 30-27, Martinez. And then, of course, the two judges that gave Perez a round gave him the first round, a round that he had lost until the last, you know, a punch with 10 seconds left. And shame on Brendan Fitzgerald, he's like, Start of the second round. He's like, oh, if there's five seconds left, this thing might be over. It's like, you fucked, man? Five seconds? At least say 30 seconds. You know, like five seconds. They must have thought he was seriously rocked. But post-fight, they talked to Martinez, and they mentioned the knockdown. And right away, he clarifies. He's like, no, no, I wasn't hurt. That was just me being stupid. I was up on one leg. Like, shook it off. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that, that was just a rookie mistake won't happen again kind of thing and that's how I saw it so I just thought you know I was on the same page there Chance McKinney versus Faraz Zayam so we're three and oh at this point Faraz Zayam not on our priority list but he wasn't in the PRP pick he's uh second from the bottom right so he's fifth line he's the only guy on the fifth line but he juices it up a ton it's a 50-50 pick I'd say a dogger pass, but there really was no clear-cut dogs throughout the course of the week. I wanted to like Terrence McKinney, but I had a feeling that he would gas. And if this fight went beyond one round, Faraz is going to be live. But McKinney is a bomb for the first five minutes. I mean, the guy's got explosive technique, uh, wrestling top-notch. I mean, they mentioned that he was trying to be an Olympic hopeful before things kind of get through. But he's got dynamic power. He's got quick finishing abilities, but he finishes so fast again cardio is going to be an issue for this guy the way he pushes a pace and the way he kind of perform, performs his moves just got to get out of the first round right just it, it never he never had a chance of getting out of the first round he took him down as soon as he wanted to passed pretty much as soon as he wanted to he was ground and pounding him pretty good to open up the rear naked choke attempt and then he was going to choke him unconscious so again uh for the mckinney betters, because a lot of people a lot of people hit me up to say love your picks agree with a lot of your stuff just disagree with the mckinney one and i really appreciate that because i'm not here to tell you these are the picks you need to take these picks i'm here to tell you this is what i think this is what i this is what i'm going with this is kind of what i'm seeing and if you see the same thing and it lines up let's hammer it baby if you're not seeing the same thing and you think i'm wrong totally fine man and i do appreciate when they hit me up to say avoid but i get a lot of avoid and it's fucking wrong. So don't don't hit me up unless you got a serious lean on this one. But uh but people like McKinney and they were very very they were very very accurate to that one. He blew right through Faraz. I am if they fought 10 times, you know, he beats him 8 times. If it gets out of the first round, who knows? But that's all speculation. I mean, who's to say McKinney was definitely going to gas it. I think he was, but not not a guarantee. Anyways, that's my first loss of the night. It's lower on the card, so what can you do? Losses are going to have every card. Happen every card. You just hope to have a little less exposure to it. Josia Nunez versus Ramona Pasquale. Don't love women's MMA. But I feel like we're going to have to have Josia Nunez on some tickets. Simple fact that Ramona Pasquale is the second opponent that's taken this fight. She's coming in on like a week's notice. She's got no experience at this level. She's It should figure to be somewhat of a mismatch. But again, it's not a fight that's going to play standing. And it's women's MMA. Likely goes to decision. So there'll probably be some greasy moments in it. But Josia Nunez has got such a rudimentary style, which is she only lands the left hand. She throws the right hand as a distance finder. She stands southpaw, right? So she'll throw the right hand almost like not even a jab, almost just a feel. Calm you with the left hand and club you again and club you again and club you again. And for someone who's five foot two, she got long-ass arms. And the way she throws them long-ass arms, she connects. She connects. She does an excellent job. Ramona Pasquale, she's got a Muay Thai base, so... Uh, probably wasn't going to go all that good for her. I thought she started off pretty well. She's landing some kicks. She's she's playing the tall fighter range. It's just so hard to keep somebody off of you for 15 minutes. That's fighting at this aggressive pace. And she took the fight on 10 days notice. So her legs would have been burnt up from backpedaling. Um, so she starts off good. But eventually, Josian Nunes starts to find her mark, wins the first round. Second round, Josian Nunes almost knocks her out. I mean, just clubs her with four consecutive left hands, if you haven't heard by now. And just absolutely rocks her. But Mark Smith, terrible referee. And this is a spot that he normally does stop a fight. Let's it go. Good move. pasquale has got a ton of swallowing on her face. She's banged up. But she had an ability to just take the fight to the ground. Her issue was she would wait for like 20 seconds left, 30 seconds left in the run. She'd get battered standing. And then with 30 seconds left, score a takedown. Happened at the end of the first. Happened at the end of the second. Happened at the end of the third. Maybe it was ring IQ. But that was the one knock on Josiane Nunez and why you probably shouldn't bet her heavily going on in the future. Even though she's fun and she got a hell of a hammer of a left hand, she got no takedown defense. And her ground game really wasn't all that good. Monopause Squall's coming in on short notice, uh, up a weight class, I'll give her that. But is not a wrestler. She's a Muay Thai fighter from Hong Kong. Just moved to Las Vegas a year ago. Was training at UFC Performance Institute Shanghai prior to that. She's taking you down that easily. You got problems moving forward against some of the rest of the division, but that remains to be seen. She'll be a fun action fighter in the meantime, and she hits a ticket for us. So, who really gives a shit? Ignacio Bahamandez versus Rong. Got Ignacio Bahamandez. Used him fairly high. Ended up going fairly high with him. He ends up on the second ticket, right? So, we got Makachev, Martinez, Sarukian on the top ticket. We went with Brahimaj Bahamandez on the second. Brahimaj did his job. We need Bahamondes to do his. Why? Partly because of the weight miss, I suppose. I mean, guys that miss weight generally have an advantage. So it wasn't like it was complete red flag, don't bet Zu wrong. But he was dejected on the scale. Like, you could just see that there was something off. The kid's kind of in his own head. He's still only 21 years old. He's missed weight for a fu- couple fights already. Things aren't working out pregame. And even with a five-pound weight advantage, he's still not bigger than Mahamandes. This boy is big man like this is a giant 155 pounder still only 24 years old one would imagine at some point he'll end up at welterweight but good god and is his wrestling good no but because he's so big hard to get him off his feet and so he's got decent takedown defense and his striking i mean yeah his father was a they said his father was a chilean kickboxing he's a champion so his father was a kickboxer in in chile but it just like from the kid bahamondas is from the time he can walk He's throwing punches and kicks. <laughs> and this guy can throw punches and kicks for days, man. His volume is just exceptionally good. Zurong, I mean, he's a little tentative at times. You saw that in the Cazulu Vargas fight two fights back, and he kind of did that the same thing in this first round. He stood in front of him. He was getting hit by the jab. He was getting hit by the kicks on the outside. Good round for Bahamondes. He did shoot one takedown. Bahamondes immediately grabs a standing guillotine choke that looks tight, but he falls to his side. All good. End of round one. Second round, Bahamundas is doing much of the same. Zurong's got more urgency to his game, but he's getting tripled up on the numbers. The commentary team seems to think that Zurong's having his best round, and it's a better round, more urgency. But the more he comes forward, the more he's getting tagged up. And by the way, that jab from Bajamandez was on point all night long. He just kept feeding it, him, feeding it to him. I mean, it just felt to me like Zurong was a Gerber. And I, 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 it just not a great second round. Third round... Low-key, and I'm not a prop guy, but I fucking had Bahamundas by decision plus 160. Why? Why do I do it to myself? Because I did it to myself in the Roosevelt-Roberts fight? I don't know. But that's why I'm not a prop guy, and that's why I have very little investment in props because I know my lesson. I learned it. So Bahamundas is just going to beat his ass standing. That'll be the end of it. And Zurong gets cheeky and shoots a takedown. Takedown, much larger guy who's shown to have a pretty good front choke, sprawl out from that position, long arms, can set up nice things a move that guys with long arms loves that bravo choke set up the jar set up the bravo set up the end of if you can of course this one was a bravo and that's all she wrote he choked him out unconscious right Zurong woke up you know 10 seconds later again dejected just pissed off at himself he's only 21 he needs to figure out his weight cutting issues he needs to spend more time in the gym he could have a very bright future Baja his night man it was his night and you were not taking it away from him When Covington and Masvidal step in the octagon this Saturday at UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a knockout offer for all new customers. Bet just $1 on the main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what. Could be a first round knockout, majority draw, or a double knockout resulting in a no contest. No matter the outcome, you get paid. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the thrill of UFC 272 with DraftKings free-to-play pools. Everyone can enter a free pool and win $10,000 in prizes. Answer a handful of questions like how long will the fight last and who will walk out the winner and follow along to track your results. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code DOP, throw down just $1 on UFC 272's main event and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. That's DOP this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 years or older, restrictions do apply. Armand Petrosian versus Gregory Rodriguez. Uh, this one would be nice for me because it's my only underdog, right? Armand Petrosian. I've been talking him up this week. No, I got Wellington tournament coming up later, but but he's my first underdog. And you know, you know these cards with lots of chalk. I'm a guy that likes to parlay the, the safe picks together. No risk, no reward. What can you do? But you just know the favorites are not all going to win, right? So you got to zone in on who's going to be that underdog that's going to come through. Uh, Terrence McKinney was not an underdog. He's an even money pick. This is an underdog in Armand Petrosian. We talked about it on the show. Paul and I, he likes Gregory Rodriguez. I could see the reasons why, because you just assume he's going to get a takedown. You assume he's got a high-level BJJ Black Belt. You assume he's going to snag up a submission on some Armenian Muay Thai fighter those are just a whole lot of assumptions right gregory rodriguez has got questionable ring iq because he stands and bangs when he should pursue the takedown and for a guy that's built up that muscular when he does get these takedowns and his jiu-jitsu like it's not it's not great to me it's good it's not great he's not like you're automatically screwed if the fight hits the ground you can survive anyways it, it was probably a dog or pass fight uh, type of fight we took the dog and then money did flood in on him like when we talked about it with paul paul was all happy that he uh that he actually had like a positive favorite this time, but it ended up going off like plus 125 for Armin Petrosian. First round, you see where, and uh, I made a mistake here, so I would have still picked Petrosian, but I highly underestimated the small cage for these guys because Gregory Rodriguez is super strong and powerful, and Petrosian was trying to get out of the way, but my God, he, he had to full-on sprint to move. There just was no space to operate with. First round's good. Uh, Rodriguez is coming forward. It seems like, you know, he's the aggressor and he's landing some heavy punches, beautiful right hand zips Petrosian in the head, 45 seconds in a minute in, he's landed a couple good punches so far. You get the feeling that this guy's just going to keep walking forward and landing strikes. And Bisping is just, oh, Gregory Rodriguez is just controlling it. But not so. Petrosian's moving well, laterally, the best he can in the small little octagon. And he's just kicking, 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 letting his hands go. Kick, kick, let his hands go. He's switching stances. He's going inside low kick. He's going outside low kick. He's going body kick. The dude's not discriminating any part of the body. He is kicking, kicking, kicking. It's incredible to me. Is it phasing Gregory Rodriguez? Maybe not, but it's going to start. It's going to start to face Gregory Rodriguez. It's called money in the bank. You're making an investment for the later rounds. I scored the first round for Petrosian. He outlanded him two, three to one. It worked him. It's just, you know, the big moment came from Gregory Rodriguez. Eh, moment, moment. Well, that's not everything. So anyways, we move to the second round, and Petrosian comes out. Now he's looking good. Now he's starting to find himself, and it does look like Rodriguez is starting to slow the tempo a bit. Rodriguez had his best success when he'd be moving forward, but now Petrosian's actually doing a little bit of moving forward. He stings um, Robocop with a decent left hook, Another punch combination punctuates it with a kick. And you see Robocop kind of sway, does a wobble. Now that's one thing I don't love about him. When he gets hit, not necessarily clean, but sometimes when he gets hit somewhat flush, he's got like a wobble to him. It doesn't look good in the judge's eyes. That's the first three minutes of the round. It's Armin Petrosian. The next two minutes of the round, Rodriguez has much better. It's a close round, but the volume's going towards Petrosian, and, and he wobbled them. The wobbles enough for me. He landed the significant strike. He had this significant moment. And you can't say, well, I mean, Rodriguez came back in the last minute and a half, two minutes. First three minutes is Petrosian. Close round. Not a runaway round. But this thing's 2-0 Petrosian. I'm not feeling great about it. But it's a dog or pass situation. And even if you had bet Rodriguez, surely you're not feeling good about it either. Going to the third round. Maybe it's uh, anybody's to win. And Rodriguez, I thought he was slowing down at the end of the second. Sorry." I thought he was slowing down at the end of the second. Started the third round. Man, he comes out good. He comes out aggressive again. He's doing everything he needs to be doing. Backs him up with the right hand and just boots him flush in the face. It shatters Armin Petrosian's nose. He hits the ground. Rodriguez jumps on top. He's still with it, but his face is a mess. And Rodriguez shows off some real nice jiu-jitsu in that he immediately goes for the back. It's tight. It's technical. And he immediately switches it to a Sulu stretch. Probably catches a lot of guys. Armand Petrosian, not one of those guys. He's willing to die. He's from Armenia. These guys are bred differently, dude. They're tough. They're tough. Too tough. And he had flexible, long-ass legs. So he gets out of the Sulu of stretch. He gives up his back again. You see Rodriguez going for the choke. And I, it looks like Petrosian's actually pretty calm. It seems like he's fighting off everything real well, but he cannot breathe out of his nose anymore. His nose is shattered. He's got his mouth wide open. Now he's got to fight off this choke, but you can see that this moment of head kick to takedown to scramble, to back take, to solo of stretch, it's, it's actually, it's tying Rodriguez. He's got his foot on the gas pedal to start of the third round up until two minutes into the third round. He's starting to relent a little bit and that allows Petrosian to create a little bit of space. He hits a scramble. He pops back up to his feet and he pounces right on Rodriguez right away. I would say he wobbles him again, but maybe not quite enough. Um, The last three minutes, there you go. There's a Petrosian comes on the last three minutes of that round. It just wasn't enough to win the round. Rodriguez shattered him in the face with a head kick and had some good spots on the ground. Like, that's a Rodriguez round. But the first two are Petrosian. So this thing goes to decision. It could go either way. I'm not going to complain either way. But just for the record, I scored it for Armin Petrosian. And they scored it for Armand Petrosian. Sometimes you get the nod. Sometimes you don't get the nod. You move on either way. Luckily for us, Petrojan's part of a ticket that is rare, right? He's a fourth-line guy. And man, hell, if Wellington Turman can make some magic happen too, we'd be sitting really good. But of course, none of that's going to matter if Armin Sarukian loses against Joel Alvarez because we got Armin Sarukian on the top ticket. This is one where people did reach out to be like, don't use him, top ticket. Joel Alvarez, super dangerous, made weight, looked good on the scales, man. And he's been sick his last couple of fights, and he looked good in those. Jiu-Jitsu off his back yada 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 it does get in your head you respect people you respect opinions you try to get as much information as you can it gets to you but i like guys that score takedowns and maul people on their backs and he's taking on a guy in joel alvarez that has five ufc fights uh, effectively shows zero percent takedown defense he's never stuffed a takedown and he's five guys like danuelo Belluardo, danilo belloardo you took him down twice on two attempts Come on, man, doesn't it just seem like Sarukin's going to dribble his head off the canvas like a basketball? And uh, he does, you know, he takes him down and he dribbles his head off the ground like a basketball. Joel Alvarez standing, you know, whatever, there was, wasn't was much going on in the early portion. But when Sarukin wanted the takedown, it was there. I thought Joel Alvarez did initially a good job trying to isolate an arm, maybe trying to throw up a triangle choke, trying to use those long limbs. But man, this guy's not going anywhere. Like, it's going to be this all night. So the last minute of the round is when Tsarukian opens up and just starts pounding on Joel Alvarez, splits his head open. Uh, commentary team is wondering if they might be stopped between rounds. And I'm thinking it's a 10-8 round, although nothing really significant happened until he cut his face up. There's a lot of damage, and there were some pretty solid elbows. Outside of that, Alvarez didn't really have any spots in the round, so yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And now here's the best part, is that you know Sorokin's going to have the cardio to do the exact same thing in the second round, but there's so much blood now, that joel alvarez is going to hit the deck he's going to get taken down everybody knows that this is a hundred percent guarantee why because he's never stepped a takedown before in the ufc but there's so much blood that the armbar the triangle it's not the guillotine. it's not going to happen anymore dude there's so much plasma between both guys that every it just gets so slippery so he takes him down and he smashes him up again i mean that was easy money uh jonathan martinez was a top ticket guy didn't look like it didn't look like it Armin did. Armin did. He looked incredibly good. He looked as good as Ramiz Brahimaj, let's say, in their own way, just effortless, you know, flawless victories. <clears throat> and those are top ticket type of guys, right? So happy for Armin. And I think this guy's the limit for him. He's poor man's Islam Makhachev I mean, dude, he fought Mokachev when he was 21. So he's a lot better since then. But poor man's Makhachev, who's poor man's Khabib, when you're in that discussion, you're in that lineage, <laughs> you're in good company, dude. This gets pretty good. Priscilla Katuar versus Jin Young Kim. If for whatever reason I had Terrence McKinney, then this one would have bugged the shit out of me. But I had very little exposure to it. Like it was the PRP ticket on putting on Kim. Paul warned me, listen, it's women's MMA, first of all. Paul also has got this thing for Priscilla Cachuera that they're going to give you stupid plus money on her and her fight's going to be shit and she might win it. And she does, the guy wins on her. And he warned me and it was women's MMA, but what, what can you do? I put it on the bottom end of the PRP for good reason. And when Zion lost, everything I had on this one was done. I did look at the prop for fight goes the distance. It just wasn't good. Yeah. It's like the bookmakers thought it was going to go to decision too. And it was the kind of fight that you didn't want to like chalk on it to go to decision because it's low level women's MMA. Yeah. Like, what can you do? First round, uh, Kim, again, she's the better fighter. I thought that she would stay to the outside and just kind of keep Priscilla Cachuera off her. But Priscilla Cachuera in the first round, you know, she's got some energy to her. She's being the aggressor. She's moving forward. She's chopping away at her. I suppose that would give her the first round. We got a one nothing Cachuera. Second round, Cachuera's starting to tire a little bit. And everything she throws is just sloppy. It's super loopy and wide. And it's missing a ton. Plus, she's starting to slow down a little bit. Every miss, she's slowing down a little bit more. Kim takes over in that second round. We got a one-one going into the third. The third round is Kim's three and a half minutes, maybe four minutes. It's 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 not one-way traffic, but it's very clearly a Kim round. She stings her multiple times. Whenever Cachuara would land something, Kim would come right back. And then Batch, oh, sorry, not Betch hey, Priscilla Cachuera fights a very similar style. Anyways, she decides at some point, maybe she hurt her right hand. She decides to just only throw elbows. And shit the goddamn it it was a good strategy. It busted Kim up, man. I mean, her face got busted. She got backed up. She fought her way back into it. And then she clinches up at the cage and she eats another one, the 10-second clapper. I just think shit like that persuades judges, you know? They don't care about the volume. They care about the one big moment. We got the Tsarukian one based on volume, not the big moment. We didn't get this one. The thing is, is that we had more invested in Tsarukian than we did in Kim. You're going to get bounces. You're going to not get bounces. I'm not sour that we didn't get this Kim decision, although I thought we should have. It reminded me in ways, to a less extent, I thought this one was way more clear-cut, but like Balbita last week, Diana Balbita, I thought she won, but they're close kickboxing matches for 15 minutes, both sides, shitty judges ringside. They tend to go for the big moment, and so the way the judges saw it was first round, uh, Cachoeira, second round for Kim. Third round was up in the air, and the elbows solidified it. I'm not sour about it, but I, I did think him. Wellington Turman versus Misha Churkinov. Well, this is huge for us, really, because, I mean, if you're looking at it, things from a parlay perspective, Jonathan Martinez won, Tarukian won. So that top ticket just needs Makachev, and he's a 9-1 to favorite, plus we're in a hedge-out spot, so we're sitting good. Brahimaj and Bahamanez both hit as well. So we're looking at a plus one ten ticket on the top. That's m- your most investment. A plus 284 ticket on the second line. I mean, we got good investment on that second ticket. Third ticket's got Nunez that came through and Hernandez came through. My boy Hernandez, I told you he'd be the value maker. And it's not paying 810. If Termon hits, and Petrosian already did his job. If Termon hits, we're looking at a plus 3812, 3812, 3812, whatever you want to call it. Doesn't matter. 38 to one, man. Fuck, we need a Wellington Termon. Got the right guy didn't get the right read first round wow okay not necessarily a bad read but first round uh, I think Wellington Turman is going to want to stand a little bit more they're both chinny they're both not great strikers but I would say the advantage would go towards Wellington Turman but he's the one that initiates the takedown he shoots an overhand right right into his single leg gets Misha up against the cage briefly Misha throws a judo trip and you see Wellington Turman pretty wise to it he's able to spin around takes his back throws up both hooks in, full back take, starts searching for the rear naked choke. The first three minutes of the round is all Wellington turmoil. Your kid's looking good, and his jiu is looking good because Misha's no joke. There's a lot that you can like about this. <laughs> and then he goes buck wild in this neck crank because it's not quite under the chin, right? So he's really committing to all of his strength to the neck, and Misha is the BJJ black ball, right? He peels off the foot. He gets the guy too high on the side. He shucks him off. As soon as he gets on him, he starts to beat the shit out of him. I'm getting shades of Bruno Silva last time out because Wellington Termon did the same thing. He starts off good, and then as soon as he ends up on his back, he's flat and he doesn't move his head, and he just eats shots. Now, there's no, there's no space for your head to bounce. It's just flat, right? So you just eat those shots. You usually go out. He went out hard last time. Misha is pounding on him. Difference is, one guy's Bruno Silva. The other guy's Misha Chirginhoff, so the strikes obviously aren't as heavy, um, even though they don't knock him out. They bossed him up. Oh, my God. Terman's face is an absolute mess. He's able to survive. Misha starts looking for a neck. Misha starts searching for potential um, submission. He beat the shit out of Wellington Terman. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. They go to their corners between rounds. and Go back and watch this one for yourself again. Just hit me with up with your take because I'm not 100% sure. This is the way I saw it. So they go back to their, their corners between rounds, and Wellington Terman's face is a wreck. But... I, it doesn't look to me like he's all that tired. And Glover comes in, and Glover and his other head coach, they start talking to him. Just seeing Glover, and be like, oh, man. Yeah, Glover's persevered. Glover's a tough bitch. Glover knows sometimes that getting gets up. Glover gets rocked all the time, but he comes back. That's what makes him such a great fighter. The kid can learn a lot from it. But his uh, body language outside of his face, looking like he just went through a car windshield in a three-car pi- three pileup, his body language didn't seem so bad. They show Misha hunched over. Misha's cooked. Misha, to me, looks tired. But they start the round, and the commentary team, namely Brandon Fitzgerald, is mentioning how be interesting to look at Termon. He is exhausted. I didn't think he looked all that exhausted, but apparently he's exhausted. I'm not in the arena. I can't see it. Misha actually starts the round pretty good, just backs him up, takes him down. Nice little judo uh, foot sweep. I love foot sweeps. It's a nice little foot sweep for Misha Chirkinov, showing off that judo black belt. Settles in on guard and gets lazy. I, I don't know really what else to say other than that. You never see armbars from guard in men's MMA, right? It's a women's MMA thing. And that's no offense. That's not a shot at anybody. You just you, you don't see it in men's MMA. And these guys are both BJJ black belts, but you don't see arm bars from guard in competition BJJ. You don't see it at the ADCCs. You don't see it at the IBJJFs. You don't see it at the high level. It just doesn't happen. They're both black belts. Misha's a very good black belt. But Misha got caught like that by Aaron Tex Johnson one time. Same shit, right? And I think he was tired. Personally, I think he was tired. He got that takedown. He ended up on top, and he sat there. Wellington Turman, meanwhile, who's so exhausted, apparently, is landing short little shots off his back, and he sets up the armbar. Shot, shot, gets Misha to sling his right arm over. I watched it a dozen times because it's such a slick setup. He gets Misha to sling the right arm over. As soon as he does, he takes a lazy grip on it for a second to make you think that there's no danger, and then tight like... Tight like a crocodile, man. And he should tap right away. Right away. But it was probably tap or get your arm broken, so he made the right call. And just like that, dude, we are sitting live. We are sitting live. But I did hedge out on Bobby Green. For me, it was a principle of I had a lot on the line, and Islam Makachev needs to win, and this is MMA. And we got a 9-1 to favorite who's likely going to roll in the first round and look like a million dollars. But what if he slipped on a banana peel? and smacked the back of his head against the canvas and knocked himself up. What if he picked up Bobby Green for a big slam and dislocated his shoulder on the way down? I don't know, but it was too big of a swing for me. And Bobby Green went off at plus 700 at my book, so it was easy enough to put a little sprinkle, who gives a shit? And, uh, yeah, I mean, Islam Makachev looked like, uh, well, again, people afterwards were like, oh, I wish I didn't hedge out. Don't, Don't feel that way. You had a good night. You won your monies. And... For every time you don't hedge out, not for every time, but for every few times you let it ride, you, you're gonna run into those. Listen, this is a nine to one on the top ticket. We don't usually get that. We usually get like a two to one on the top ticket. So there's a lot more nervous energy there. But the Juliana Penas over a man in Nunes, that shit in the world, it exists. It exists, it can happen. And I'm gonna leave you with that. So, anyway, successful night, good recap. Uh well, I don't know. You tell me it was a good recap. Good, good night of fights, good times. And, yeah, we move on from this. we got a big pay-per-view next week, so we'll be back on the preview show uh, Wednesday with Paul Shaughnessy. I'm also going to be doing the propping you Up show with MMA Lock of the Night. So busy week this week. And, yeah, I mean, listen, we built up our bankroll. We did good Bellator. We did good UFC. We're having fun with it. We're back in the jive of things. We've got a little bit of room to make errors. Just hopefully we don't make any grave errors. Until then, I'll catch you guys next time. Enjoy your winnings. Uh, hopefully you got some winnings, and uh, enjoy your weekend. If not, take care. See you later.